Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. All right. Well, can you give me just a, a few minutes? I got about, I have 33 minutes to share uh, what God's put in my heart. Uh, if you don't know what's going on, this, we, we spent the last few days uh, really structuring our lives around hearing God speak. And so today, I just, I want to I wanna talk about how God speaks to us, if that's okay with you. Okay, uh, a few of you. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about uh, the ways in which um, God speaks to us. Um, I, I, I want to talk about our expectations. What should our expectations be when it comes to hearing God's voice? I think there's a lot of confusion out there in the world. And so uh, I, I, I don't have three hours to talk long on this. I got 33 minutes. So I'll do my best to talk about what some of our expectations should be when it comes to hearing the voice of God. But in order to do that, we have to understand what kind of world, everyone say world, what kind of world do we live in? So I want to make, I want to make that connection. So I'm not going to be totally practical today. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about practical uh, guidelines for hearing uh, God's voice uh, but I want to talk about how God relates to us, what kind of world we live in, what should our expectations be when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Uh, I've learned a lot from Dallas Willard, and so half of what I'm going to say is not original to me. Uh, I want to source him, so I'll be quoting him uh, when appropriate uh, today. I've learned a lot about hearing the voice of God from Pastor Ken. How many of you love Pastor Ken? Um, I think my wife is, is uh, essentially the voice of God to me, so I've learned a lot from her. Um, but uh, I, I've learned a lot from a lot of different people, and so I've just kind of collected just a, a few thoughts regarding the voice of God, and so I'll spend a few uh, moments uh, here this morning talking to you about that. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 33. Psalm 33. I'm going to read through this psalm. Um, and as, as we're reading through this, I want you, I, I, so many times we kind of perform in church, right? Um, so many times I think we go through the motions when we read scripture out loud. I want, you to, I want you to think about the question, what is God's world like when we read through uh, Psalm 33? Is that cool? Okay. We're going to begin in verse 1. Uh, the poet writes, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. I don't even know what the lyre is. But make melody to him with the harp of ten strings, right? Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord, why should we make melody in our hearts? Why should we break out the harmonica, right? Why should we break, break out the harp? How many of you play the harp, right? Why should we do this? Uh, because, the poet tells us in verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness, verse 5, and justice. Think about what, what the world is like. What is the cosmos like? What is the space-time stuff like? Well, the earth is full or drenched. I love that, drenched or is dripping with the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Everyone say the word of the Lord. Could you say that one more time? The word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth. Everyone say mouth. All of their host. Verse 7. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. 
He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke. Everyone say he spoke. I love this. I love verse 9. He spoke. God is a master communicator. And it came to be. He commanded, and it stood what? It stood firm. Verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. I love this. God oversees even giant technological complexes. God runs the entire universe. He is in charge. We talk about that often. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man from where he sits. Enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who, could you say, hope, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is, come on, he is our help and our, our shield. Verse 21, for our heart is glad in him because we what? We trust in his holy name. And we end in verse 22. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon every Dallas Cowboy fan even as we hope in you. Amen. Could you bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Father, we thank you that you're here this morning. I thank you that you would help me to share in a very succinct way what you put in my heart. Lord, we bless every person here today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you this is going to be a year where we're going to have breakthrough vis-a-vis in our understanding of your voice. Lord, I think you're going to open our minds today. Lord, I think you give us a wisdom mind. Lord, I think you would expand our imagination. Lord, help us make the connection between what your world is like and our expectations with your voice and hearing your voice in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would bless the Kansas City Chiefs. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do we got any Chief fans here? Okay. All right. That, I felt like the, the grace of God, like, leave the sanctuary when I, when I said that. Hey, um, as I mentioned before, Dallas Willard, he, uh, I, I've learned a lot from him. And again, much of what I'm going to say is not original to me. It's original to him. But he phrased this or came up with this phrase, a communicating cosmos. 
Now, if we're not careful, and I want to explain that, some people have just assumed that when we mention communicating cosmos, that uh, that refers somehow to like a soggy pantheism or panentheism, which simply means that everything in this world is somehow connected to some cosmic soupiness, like some universal, um, impersonal mind. And that's not what um, Dallas Willard is suggesting when he phrased a communicating chaos. Now we know, how many of you know that everything in this world from badgers to baseball to oat milk lattes is good? Right? No? Uh, how many of you like, like nature? Okay, just trying to connect with you. How many of you like, how many of you like um, pristine mountain lakes? Okay. How many of you like to go camping and hiking? Come on, right? You're from Idaho. You should do it. I'm kind of an expert. I love to hike. I love to camp, right? You all know me. I loathe camping. I don't know why you want to camp. It's like intentional affliction of your body, right? It's, it's like, I want to suffer. Let's go camping today, babe, right? Um, but some of you love camping, right? Some of you, you, come on, this world is drenched with the grandeur of God. And what does that mean? That everything that we enjoy in life, from our kids to, I don't know, maybe that Netflix show to just stuff that habits and stuff that we engage in every single day, it is good. However, it is not God, right? Uh, idolatry is just taking something that's good and putting it on the same level as God. And you kind of get that little, in, it just, that whole equation gets in, inverted. And that always leads us to death. But what does a communicating cosmos essentially mean? We find this in Psalm chapter 33, that our God, creator God, everyone say creator God, creator God spoke, right? Built the cosmos, spoke consciousness and quantum particles and, uh, man, soil and dirt and everything that we know about reality into existence with words. Uh, one, uh, one scholar, Dr. Tim Mackey, says that the Elo- in reference to Genesis chapter 1, that the capital E Elohim that you find in Genesis, who builds out this beautiful structure we call uh, the cosmos or space and time uh, or the material world, it was framed, this reality was framed by the thoughts and the words and the ideas of God. So, What does a communicating cosmos mean? It simply means God, as I mentioned before, is a master communicator. Master communicator. Uh, One, I I can't remember his name. I think it might be East. Do we have any Stanleys here today? Okay. Stanley Jones. I think it's something like that. This is what he wrote. Um, kind of reinforcing this idea of a communicating cosmos. He begins with the question, does God guide? Strange, he kind of answers the question, strange if he did not. The psalmist asks, he that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eyes, shall he not see? And then I asked, he that made the tongue and gave us power to communicate with one another, shall he not also speak and communicate with us? And then I love this last clause. He says, I do not believe that God our Father is a dumb, non-communicative impersonality. Can I get an amen to that? Like it's weird in, in our Western style 
styled world in, in the, the ways in which we think, we've kind of just caricatured God as like cause, a cosmic gassy substance. Or some of us, maybe we walk in this room and maybe it's your first time to church, uh, you, maybe you haven't articulated, articulated like this, but just deep down inside, you just assume that God is like some impersonal agent or impersonal automaton, that this world is just basically arbitrary, biological life is, is an accident. But when we come to Scripture, what we find is that God communicates, God brings the entire space-time material world into existence with words. God has thoughts. God has agency. I know it might be a little bit too philosophical for you here this morning, but God speaks not only to creation, God speaks to his people. So what is the world like? What is it shaped? What is reality framed by? It is framed by an intelligent mind and personality, creator God, who brings all things into existence by his words. That's why Jesus said in the wilderness, man shall not, people shall not live by Post Malone alone. Just want to make sure you're awake this morning or JC, or CNN, right, or Fox News, or whatever you live by, whatever people live by, man, people shall live by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God's a communicator. God's a speaker. And he understands language. Jesus is the one, God is the one who speaks and uses words and invented um, uh, language and syntax and grammar. And if that's the case, then we should expect God to speak to us. You, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, The universe is upheld and sustained by the word of God's power. We find in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, that God sustains the universe. And we find that it's connected inextricably to the voice of God. John chapter 1, in his prologue, John tells us that Jesus is the fleshed out what? Logos, or the word of God. Logos in the Greek or the Roman Greco world represented the highest ultimate reality and good. John co-ops or hijacks that languages, language and applies it to Jesus and tells us that Jesus is the fleshed out embodied reality, communicating reality of who God is. So if you want to know who God is, take a close look at Jesus. So a communicating cosmos, everything that we know in this world, everything that we experience in this world is shaped by the words of God. I've been talking to my, my boys about how God speaks, and Q is just, he's blown away. Quincy uh, is blown away by how God has this amazing superpower. That's in his words. I remember about a year ago, I started talking to them about how God uh, speaks everything into existence, and Quincy's like, Dad, can you believe that God is greater than Superman, right? God is greater than all these Marvel comics. He loves all these Marvel comic characters. And he's so amazed. He's like, Dad, I'm like trying to compare. Superman has x-ray vision and, and he can fly and he wears a cape. It's a little bit weird, right? Um, but God is greater than him. God speaks reality into existence by his thoughts and his ideas and his words. So it's the word of God that sustains this world. 
So, if that's what this world is like, we should be then surprised if God did not speak to us on a consistent basis. My problem, did I, did I shout that a little? Like when I shout, it's like I, I feel it, right? I think my problem with, with us, and I'm, I'm including myself, when it comes to structuring our life around the voice of God, or at least when we talk about the voice of God, is that in theory, I think many of us believe that God speaks, but in practice, God largely, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, is silent. And I, I guess my concern with that is that we, we, we become okay with the silence of God. Should we be okay with a silent God, where we just kind of come on a Sunday morning and uh, we, we get a quiver in our liver, right? That's Pentecostal talk, right? Or we hear a good message and maybe we have a dramatic experience with, with the Holy Spirit on a Sunday, but then when we go back to our homes, we just, we really don't hear God's voice. Right? I don't think we should be okay with that if we understand what God's world is like. God is a master communicator. He's not a dumb, non-communicative impersonality. He's not some cosmic gas substance. He's not an impersonal automaton or robot, right? We serve a personal creator who was embodied in the life and person of Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins and he came back on the third day and launched new creation. And we as followers of Jesus can participate in the reality of God's presence here on planet Earth. So, if God is a communicator, why are we surprised when he speaks? I would be honest with you. Many of us act like Dallas Cowboy fans. What do, what do you mean, Chris? Well, I was not surprised at all when the Cowboys lost to the Rams last night. I knew it in my gut. I knew it in my soul. I wasn't going to tell anybody. How, do you, how did you know, Chris? Did you get like a mystical connection and see the future? No. I just said we've been living in 25 years of futility, and I just did the math in my head, and I just managed my expectations, and I was not surprised in the least that the Dallas Cowboys lost. It's funny. I think a lot of people have a similar relationship with the Holy Spirit. When they actually hear God speak, they're like, oh, my God. They're surprised, right? They're, they're, yeah, it just, it, they're, they're almost confused, rendered nonplussed when God speaks. They just almost expect God not to speak to them. Because we just assume that man, life is just going to church, right? Hearing some, some professional communicator speak, and then I'll just kind of live my life and God's just not going to speak to me. But that's not what we're called to live like. That's not the way of Jesus, so I just have a few points here, if, if you just kind of um, bear with me this morning. Why is it then that we don't hear God's voice? Number one, if you take notes, you can write this down. My question is, are we, and I get this from Dallas Willard, are we in tune with God? Are we, or, or do we subscribe um, to, to God? Are we, are we connected to him? The fact that we do not hear God, I want you to hear me this morning, 
does not mean that God is not speaking to us. Whew, that's good. I, I, I was really impressed with that. I love that. I'm going to read it again. The fact we do not hear God does not mean that God is not speaking to us. For example, I, this last week, I had a baby. I'm not quite sure what baby it was, but I had a baby in my arms. I was staring at the back wall, and my wife has one pet peeve. She's amazing. But I talked about my pet peeves last week, um, uh, but she has a particular pet peeve, and that's when um, I don't uh, pay attention. And um, I've gotten so much better. Uh, but we were, this was last week, and I had a baby. I'm staring, and I'm lost in my thoughts. It was weird. I felt like a presence next to me. I felt like this presence was trying to communicate to me. <laughs> married, married, yeah, yeah, we need counseling. We need counseling. And I remember just getting, again, lost in my thoughts. And then I kind of came to, and I looked at my wife, and my wife had that look. Guys, have you ever seen that look where your, wife's want, your wives want to kill you? It's like, I'm going to kill you, Chris, right? So she looked at me, and she's like, I've been talking to you for like five minutes. Did you not hear anything that I said? And I'm like, I am so sorry, <laughs> babe, right? And I think that's kind of, that's, that, man, I think that it's kind of a picture of sometimes, maybe some of you find yourself in this group where you're not in tune and you're kind of lost in your own world. You're lost in maybe your own problems. We have 99 problems, right? We're lost in our circumstances. And for whatever reason, God's voice just goes through us. God, God's voice just kind of passes through our, our thinking. Jesus, throughout his public ministry, emphasized um, our capacity to hear. He actually says, if anyone has ears, what? Let him hear. So what does that imply? That implies hearing God is not an automatic thing that happens. It's something that in the words of several scholars, you've got to make great effort. Even though you have ears, doesn't automatically mean that you can hear God's voice. But you have to put great effort into hearing the voice of God. Some of us might find ourselves, and again, this is in, in no way, I'm here to place judgment on anyone. To me, this is encouraging because God does speak, and we can get in tune with Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? But some of us find ourselves in a place where we're just not in tune. Stuff is happening, but because we're not connected, we're not getting the information. Number two, maybe some of you are in this boat, um, maybe just a few of you, I don't know. Uh, but, but the question is, um, would you want to hear God if he spoke to you? Would you, let's just be, can we be honest with ourselves this morning? Would we want to hear God speak to us? In other words, if God spoke to us, would we obey? Would we listen? Or, or, or would, we, would we be Ready? Sometimes, God's speaking all the time, but sometimes God is silent, not because he doesn't have a desire to speak to us, but he knows that the condition of our heart is not sufficient to hear him speak to us. Like there are points, parents, you, you, you probably can relate to this, where your kids are fighting and they don't want to listen to you. 
And so I have practiced. It's, it's amazing. It's a great technique. I'll just stand there in the middle of their fight, and I won't say anything. I'll just stare at them. Because if I try to, if I try to compete with their voices, it just like I, I turn, I become a child, right? And I start raising my voice or whatever. So I'll just come in and not say anything in order for them to get their attention so I can speak to them, right? God, I think, sometimes does the same thing with us. Some of you might not be able or ready or responsive to God's word. Well, the good news is God will use circumstances to to wake you up, right, to to get your attention. Much like the prodigal son who went into a far-off land, uh, the text reads, as Jesus tells the story, that he came to his senses, And he realized uh, that his father's place was a good place. And so he turned around and went back to his father's house. So sometimes, yes, God will be silent because the conditions of our heart are not right in order to hear him. So God will use circumstances to wake us up, to soften our hearts, to create a sense of radical humility so we can listen to him. That's how good God is. God loves you so much. Can I get an amen? And he wants to speak to you. Number three, I think one, a problem of hearing God's voice, and one of the reasons why we don't hear God's voice is we have a tendency to outsource our responsibility of hearing God to the pros, to the professional, to, to Pastor Ken or uh, to, to Pastor Kelly or the staff or, you know, some podcast. We, we outsource our responsibility of hearing God to the pros. We, you know, we work from an assumption that somehow God and these professionals have a direct connection, and we don't, which is the furthest thing from the truth. The Bible teaches us that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a royal priesthood, right? And we believe in the priesthood of all, not just some, but all believers, You have available to you every single day the voice of God. Now, the voice of God is not a vending machine. We can't manipulate the voice of God. He's not some cosmic um, whatever candy store. You can go in and get whatever you want. Understand what I'm saying. But the voice of God is available to everyone. One anthropologist, I I quoted this earlier in 2018, Uh, He talked about religion and religious experiences, and he talked about how religion has a default mode, and that default mode is creating a hierarchy. And by creating a hierarchy, the intent of creating a hierarchy is to outsource our religious obligation to professionals. Why do we do that, right? Why do we want to outsource the responsibility of study and listening and being still and being in scripture to professionals. Um, Well, maybe some of you find yourself in this group. The reason is because we find it easier to do that. It's easier not to be still, not to wait, not to study, not to engage scripture, and to give that responsibility over to the pastor. So maybe some of you, again, no judgment is being placed on you. Maybe some of you find yourself in this situation. Well, Pastor Ken or someone on Sunday morning, Pastor Shane or Pastor Tracy, they're going to get up and they're going to give me the word of God and that's going to sustain me for a week. And it will. How many of you believe in the power of preaching? We believe that. And what we do on Sunday mornings is important. 
But what you do every single day is as important than preaching. Some of us, um, we, we talk a lot about this, so I'm not going to totally flesh this out. Some of us find ourselves kind of in this Epicurean worldview. It's a split-level cosmic vision, like God is way out there, upstairs, we call that, and we're all down here, and God really doesn't communicate to us. Dallas Willard calls this um, how we spatialize everything. We have a tendency to spatialize um, our relationship with God, which essentially means, um, and I think this is true, that the end of the universe and this is, this is probably old data because the universe is ever-expanding, but the end of the universe is 50 billion light years away. Isn't that crazy? So um, light waves travel at what? 186,000 feet per second. How many of you would say that's pretty fast? So if the universe is ever-expanding and it's 50 billion, roughly-ish, 50 billion light years away, those light waves would never reach us. Some of us assume that God is at the end of that universe. And we, we kind of imagine this great spatial thing, gulf, canyon between God and I, and it's hard for us to pray or engage God. Acts 17, though, counters this when Paul says, in him we live, we move, and have our being." God is not spatially located three trillion miles away from us at the edge of space and time or whatever, right? He's not at that singularity where gravity is being like turned all upside down. God is at work and present with us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Can I get an amen? So some of us might find ourselves in that, um, in that view. We have a problem with hearing the voice of God because we just, we've kind of, we've kind of uh, participated with this postmodern mood. You might not know what that is, but there's a postmodern atmosphere in our culture which is rooted in skepticism. Like, I can't know truth. I can't know God. I can't know his, his voice. And to be honest, I used to think that there were only, when I'm in my 20s, if we were to map out the world, let's say map out America, I used to think there were only two groups. There was the group of Christians who loved God, and they were generally really good, and they didn't really struggle with doubts, and they went to church, right? So naive of me. And then I used to think there was another group, like all the, like all the atheists, all the unchurched people, all the cat lovers, all the, like Oakland Raider fans, I do it every Sunday because I love it. Um, so I used to think that there was like, there's really no middle ground, right? You have a group of unchurched people um, who didn't really want to serve God, and you had a group of church folk, right, that came on Sundays, generally heard the voice of God, and they were kind of living the good life. Now, as I've gotten older, and I've been in ministry for over 20 years, can you believe that? And I've counseled a lot of people. I realized that it doesn't matter where you find yourself on the spectrum, right? Church spectrum, unchurched spectrum, we're all kind of in the middle, and I don't know why I did that with my voice. <laughs> I actually do that at home. I pretend I'm Mickey Mouse, right? I want to go to Disneyland. That's my fantasy, guys. Anyways, um, many people live not on these extremes. They live in the middle. So you got a lot of atheists, ah, quasi-atheists, unchurched folk that are haunted by beauty and transcendence. 
They might say that they don't believe in God, but they're haunted by him. They're haunted by his presence. They're haunted by a sunset. They're haunted by, man, I, I need some more meaning. Like my marriage isn't giving me meaning. My marriage is not um, giving me purpose or my life is not giving me purpose. There has to be something more. A lot of people live in, who don't go to church, are haunted by beauty and transcendence. However, a lot of church folk, let's just be honest, are also haunted by eminence. They're haunted by this, this mood, this skepticism. Can I really, the question is formed around, the skeptic question is formed around, can I really hear God speak to me? Right, can I? Like some of you, you get really frustrated because you've spent three days praying and fasting and you're in your Bible and you didn't hear anything from God and you kind of in your heart, you kind of just form some wrong expectations of, well, I guess that means God doesn't want to talk to me. I mentioned this, I don't know, was it Friday night or Saturday night? I think the word for this year for us is patience. I think we need to relax. I think we just need to be okay with, okay, uh, maybe some of you are at a one. If, if we're looking, if we're going to scale it out, maybe some of you are at a one and you never heard the voice of God and uh, you make a commitment this year to hear the voice of God, be patient with yourself. You might spend four or five days and you're reading your Bible and you're maybe spending some time, you're like opening your mouth and for five minutes you're trying to pray and you it might feel awkward. That's okay. No one expects if they want to play basketball at a high level, no one expects you at the age of eight, the first week, to become a professional basketball player. You have to practice, right? And so it's important for us, to, I want you to hear this, be patient with yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, just relax. Turn to your other neighbor and say, man, you really need to chill. So, as we relax, as we learn the art of patience when it comes to hearing the, the voice of God, God will begin to speak to you, but it takes time and practice to hear God's voice. Let's talk about one last problem when it comes to hearing the voice of God. And one of the reasons, major reasons why we don't hear the voice of God is because we overlook God's voice for the spectacular. We overlook God's voice for the spectacle. We want the dramatic, right? Kind of live in a culture where everything has to be the greatest, right? Uh, we're, we're waiting. Some of you are, made the mistaken assumption that God will only speak to you through an audible voice. And so some of us are waiting, 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 waiting for some dramatic moment, some, some open vision, some fireworks in the words of Dallas Willard uh, to hear God speak. This is what Dallas Willard says. I love this. I'm going to quote him. The less dramatic the message, the fuller the context and more mature, mature the person is. What is he saying? He's saying the primary way that God speaks to us is through his still small voice. For example, um, my, my kids are seven and six, and I've learned that I can talk to them about some hard things, I can talk to them about some big things, and I can do that in a less dramatic way 
because they've matured. Three years ago, I was doing Mickey Mouse voice. I was doing dramatic stuff. I, 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 I could say one sentence, and then I had to do a dance. I had to do a routine. Parents, you know this. Just to keep my kids' attention. Now they're at the point where I can talk about metaphysics, which is my favorite thing, right? I can talk to them about um, heaven and earth and where God is located in space, and they actually understand it. Not fully, but I don't have to dramatically act out every story in the Bible. Why? Because they are mature. See, here's the thing. You gotta, and this is my word of warning for maybe some of us. If, you, if, if you're always assuming that God speaks to you in dramatic dreams, if the only way God speaks to you is through visions or um, through a burning bush or through these dramatic experiences, it could be an indication not of your maturity, it could be an indication of your immaturity. Now, I think God speaks to us in visions and dreams. I've had dramatic experiences with the Holy Spirit where, and I've explained this before, where I felt like I was speaking to God face to face. I didn't see him. But I, I've had moments like that. Uh, I've had dreams. There was a season in my life, and I haven't had this season in a long time, where God spoke to me in dreams about our nation. And it, like the next day it would come to pass. I'm like, what is this? So I learned to pray when I had this very vivid dream that I knew came from God. So does God speak to us through dreams and visions and in dramatic ways? Absolutely. But that's not the primary way that God speaks to us. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his still, small voice. So, does God speak today? Yes. Does God want to speak to us on a daily, consistent basis? Should we be okay with silence all the time? How many of you, you would, and I just maybe get some response from you, how many of you would just acknowledge, I think I find myself in at least one of those groups? Okay, come on, everyone raise your hand, all right? We all kind of find in one of those groups, and certainly this is not representative. There's so many more things that we could talk about when it comes to problems with relating to God's voice. Here's the thing. God wants to speak to you. He longs for it. He longs for you to hear his voice. God wants to give you a wisdom mind. God wants to give you um, a big frame way of thinking about the world. But we have to be tuned in to him. So how do we tune in to the voice of God? Well, let me just say this really quick. God's voice always lines up with God's word. God's voice always lines up with God's word. So in other words, if you want to know God's voice, you have to know God's word. If you want to structure your life around the voice of God, you have to structure your life around the story of God. You have to structure your life, in other words, around Bible engagement in order to hear the voice of God. Psalm chapter 1 says, blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. And in this law, they what? They meditate on it day and night. That word meditate comes from a Hebrew word, haga. Everyone say haga, 
right? It's a picture of a lion chewing on its prey or devouring its prey. Maybe a modern picture would be how many dog people do we have here? Okay, you got some dogs. You love dogs. Uh, we have a dog. His name is Theo. He's, he's 11 pounds. He thinks he's 55 pounds. So we don't take him on walks anymore because he wants to fight every dog. Um, but he loves bones. And what I love about Theo is when we give him a bone, he will he'll snort and he'll take that bone. He'll try to hide it. He'll dig up a little hole. He'll try to bury it. And then uh, he'll come back, kind of do his thing. And then he'll go out, unbury the bone, bring it in the house and spend hours gnawing and sucking and just not roaring, but barking right over this particular bone. That's what the poet is telling us and recommending that we do with God's word. That just like a dog gnaws on a bone, we are summoned to eat and to immerse ourselves in the words of Jesus, in the story of Jesus. Can I get an amen? So how do we become familiar with God's voice? You have to become familiar with God's word. You have, to, you have to delight in the story of Jesus. You got to love it more than all the other stories out there. You gotta, hey, I don't know if, if there's any Downton Abbey fans out there. Man, Downton Abbey is like, I love it. And there's a lot of great stories on Netflix, but you have to love the story of Jesus more than any other story that's offered, right? You got to give ourselves to it. And as we give ourselves to the story of Jesus and through time and practice and building, in the words of Dallas Willard, a conversational relationship with God, you'll begin to identify the voice of God in your thoughts and in your heart. I think so many times we want a technique. I think I talked about this last week. We, we want a technique uh, to like trick God into speaking to us. You don't need no technique, right? God wants to speak to you. He longs, he desires to speak to his kids. What we have to do is we have to make a commitment, a radical commitment, to spend time in the story of Jesus. That's where wisdom is. That's where life is. That's where hope is. That's where peace is. That's where grace is. Can I get an amen? That's where everything you need is found in the voice of God. But we have to practice being with God. We have to spend time with God, and as we do, we become familiar with God's voice. Now, I end with this. Um, my dad came um, into the living room a couple weeks ago, and uh, I, I think we were, we were talking about something, and I think it was Kingsley. At the time, I didn't know it was Kingsley. He started crying, and he was about 15 feet away from us. And my dad um, looked at me and goes, son, who, who's crying? He wasn't familiar with um, my son's voice. And I wasn't right next to Kingsley, so I, at that point, I didn't know who was crying. It took me about a nanosecond to figure out, oh, yeah, that's King. Uh, the reason why I could figure that out just like that is not because I have a mystical relationship with my son being his dad. The reason why I know the voice of my son is because I'm with him all day long, right? And Pastor Ken thanks God that he's not with them all day <laughs> long. So in, in, 
in fairness, my dad doesn't know their voice, not because he's the best grandpa in the world, but he doesn't know their voice, their cry, that is, because he's not with them all day long. I am. I think that gives us a picture of how we learn to identify the voice of God. Just engage with Scripture. Relax. Be patient with yourself. Just be consistent. Not going to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect this year. But just make a decision in your heart today. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace just to take your life and build it around being in God's Word. There'll be a point where you'll begin to identify, okay, now that's God's voice. Okay, that thought that just went through my head, that was sushi the night before, right? That's demonic, right? You'll begin to be able to distinguish the thoughts in your mind that come from God and that come from you. Why? Because you practice being with Jesus as you engage scripture. So this is two things I want to do as we close here, and then I'm done. Um, the first thing is we, tomorrow, we're going to launch a Bible reading, a little, I don't know what we're going to call it, Bible reading, not program, but a, a Bible reading excursion. So for the next 15 days, we want you to read through the book of Psalms. So Psalms has 150 poems. And so we broke it down into 10, uh, 10 Psalms a day. And we're going to post it on our website, uh, Facebook, I think, Instagram. And so you can go on our website and you can take a look at the reading for that day. We're going to have an overview or a summary of the, that segment of, of poems. And then we're going to have a basic thought to kind of give you direction. And then we're going to have a prayer for you to pray after you read through that particular day's reading. And so through 15 days, as a community, my desire is that we would all, right? And I get, we have life, stuff happens, we're not going to be perfect. But I would love for a lot of us, could you imagine our community going through the Psalms, praying through it, reflecting and pondering on it, right? Imagine the power that will happen and take place in our lives as we do that. Amen. So that one.